obviously partly because of uh, what we had announced we would do this evening. Um, I was really expecting that to be uh, what we were going to do. Um, and, and as the uh, afternoon unfolded and the Lord began to redirect, um, I, the Bible app that I use, I actually forget the name of it offhand, but I know there's several other folks that use it as well, and I'm sure it's not the only one that does this, but the uh, Bible app that I use gives a verse of the day each day. And uh, this morning I, I opened it up and I read it and really, to be honest with you, at the moment I read it, I just kind of shrugged it off, um, didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Uh, but uh, this afternoon, as, as things began to change and um, felt we were supposed to do something a little different than planned this evening, I felt like the Lord took me back to that verse, and uh, I, I have to tell you, there's a lot of days I, I read that verse of the day, and uh, it's, it's, it's a good verse. Obviously, anything in Scripture is important, um, valuable to us, but a lot of days I, I don't necessarily feel every single day that I read that verse that it's like a verse from the Lord for me for that day. There have been a few days, and uh, I do feel like I, I kind of missed the memo this morning when I first read it, but now looking back, uh, I believe it, it wasn't a coincidence. So it's found in the book of Isaiah in chapter number 43. It's verse number two, but uh, for context sake, I will read to you starting with Verse number one, and the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah says this, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. And then verse 2, and again, that's, that's really the verse. Uh, it is the verse that was the verse of the day. I want you to notice, if you're reading along, if you're not reading along, the first word of this verse is when. W-H-E-N. When. Not if, but when. When thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when, there it is again, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Again, there's not an if. In this verse, there's not a word that implies possibility. There's not a maybe. Uh, it, it's not a. It, it's it's not something that's really up in the air. It is settled when these things happen. 
when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire, those things are all a given. I don't know about you, but I have to acknowledge, I think I spend a lot of time hoping that it's if and not when. If I happen to have to go through the waters, if I happen to have to go through the rivers, if I happen to have to go through the fire. And I have spent a whole lot of time in my walk with God in ministry hoping for the if. And yet the word of the Lord says, when. But the encouraging thing is that when these things happen, there is a promise that goes along with them. Let me read a couple of other translations of verse number two. The Living Bible says it this way. When you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. The Message Bible says verse 2 this way. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough, when you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. When you're in over your head, I will be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. There's a story in the Gospels of uh, the disciples and Jesus were, were out, on a, out on a boat and they got caught up in a, in a major storm. And uh, they, they thought that uh, they were, they, they thought they were at the end. And uh, they, were, they were doing everything they could to survive the storm through their own ability. And it's interesting, and, and I know kind of like a Monday morning quarterback, if you know what that term means, but it's easy to sit and critique what someone else does, what someone else has done. And so I, I really don't mean this to, to come across that way because I'm pretty sure if I was one of the disciples on the boat that day, probably would have done the same thing that they did. But Jesus, while they were bailing water and trying to somehow figure out a way from a human, through human ability to survive, Jesus was taking a nap in the middle of this storm and and. And don't forget, these were some uh, very skilled sailors. These guys, 
these guys knew what it was to be in a storm, to go through a storm. Uh, no doubt they had encountered some significant storms in their time of being on the seas as fishermen. And and so to me, for them to an to encounter such a storm and and have such a uh, concern about the condition they were in, uh, that that implies to me that it was this wasn't the normal storm, this wasn't their usual storm. The the storms I think they were accustomed to they. They were, they were used to riding them out. They had confidence they'd ride them out. But this one seems to be differently because finally when they wake Jesus up, they, they make the statement to him, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are going down? But they had to wake Jesus up. They had to wake him out of his sleep to ask him if he cared whether or not they were perishing. They had to wake him up out of sleep. Here's the part where I mean I'm not trying to be the Monday morning quarterback and just critique the disciples because, again, I think I probably would have been very similar to their actions in the middle of all of this. But it seems to me the thing would have been for them to have done was simply go get their blanket and pillow and lay down next to Jesus and be confident that he was not going down in the storm. He was not going to let what he was the creator of and in control of be the thing that destroyed him. If somehow they could have held on to what the Lord said to Isaiah, I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. You're going to go through the waters. You're going to go through adversity. You're going to go through difficulties. I, uh, those of you that have been a part of my ministry or under my ministry, if I could say it that way, I think I have tried to demonstrate a... Um, uh, an attitude um, or, a, or the characteristic of transparency. And um, most of the time in hopes that transparency will help others and uh, try not, I guess, to be too transparent if there is such a thing. Um, and so I, I, I'm going to try to be transparent with you without being too transparent with you. I really was not anticipating walking through the waters the way we have in the last um, week. I really was not anticipating going through the rivers as we have the last week. I was not planning to walk through the fire the way we have in the last week. I will say again, as I've said numerous times now throughout this year, as challenging as it has been, there are plenty of times throughout history, even throughout our own American history, 
that uh, challenges and difficulties have been even greater than what we have faced. But nevertheless, obviously for us, for most of us, it's been one of the most challenging times of our of all of our lives. And uh, uh, the the word if has been a word I think a lot of us have probably tried to hold on to um, if we have to go through certain things, if we have to deal with certain things. But the promise is when. The promise is when we go through those things. I posted a couple of days ago on Realm. I will restate it. But the same power of God that is able to keep us from something is the exact same power of God that is able to take us through it. It's really what... I think Isaiah is saying in verse number two here, the power that we oftentimes trust in to deliver us or keep us from things is the same power that is able to take us through it. We uh, preached it a couple of Sunday nights ago. Uh, The idea that, that I think we have, we have these, somewhat inflated uh, uh, images or or opinions of the men and women of the Bible um, that they were that they were somehow some kind of superhuman they were not they were not like we were or we are that uh, they had they had strengths and abilities and 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 uh, resolve that that you and I don't have but the scripture is really clear that that's not the case the scripture is really clear to show us that each one of the great men and women of the bible or the men and women we would consider to be the great men and women of the bible are human beings um, subject to like passions as we are not something special, not something abnormal. They didn't have superhuman powers. And so you could do this probably with just about any uh, story in Scripture. But, but uh, just, just as one example, we, we read, we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know the awesome testimony of them being thrown into the fiery furnace. And in that fiery furnace, the fourth man showing up in the fire and eventually them coming out of that furnace and and uh, according to scripture, not even smelling like smoke. Kind of sounds like what the word of the Lord said through Isaiah, not being burned, not kindling upon you. But what we don't really know, what we don't really get is a real glimpse of sort of the moment by moment process that those three Hebrew children went through. We, we get sort of the, uh, the bullet points of the story, the, 
the, the king plays the music. You're supposed to bow down. Everybody except for three, these three guys bow. They bring them before the king and, and they're given one more chance to bow and they refuse and they make a very powerful declaration telling the king that they would not bow and saying, our God can deliver us. Our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. I just my again, my imagination of what it would be like to be in that scenario. Uh, I, I have to believe that when they were saying our God can deliver us, they were fully expecting that God was going to deliver them from the fire, not through the fire. I've oftentimes kind of imagined what it was like when they were first thrown into that fiery furnace. The scripture says the king uh, told them to uh, to increase the temperature of the of the fire. I think I think seven times, make it seven times hotter. And if I remember correctly, the uh, the guys that actually threw the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace lost their lives because of the heat of the fire. And so they are thrown into the fire, and uh, I, I just I imagine as they're thrown into the fire, uh, the the tension in their bodies, fists clenched, eyes closed, forehead scrunched, as they are anticipating the 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 uh, the, the feeling of that furnace when they are thrown into it, and and kind of imagine them as they very gradually, very, very slowly began to relax as all of a sudden they begin to realize we are in the fire, but we're not burning. We are in the fire, but we are not being hurt by the fire. I, I would imagine it took them a little bit of time to finally adjust to the idea uh we're in here but but we're okay and so sort of moment by moment by moment we know the end of the story we don't know what each part of that process was like we don't know the emotions that they had to deal with we don't know the uh the thoughts that uh, raced through their minds. We, we don't know that. We just see the great story of them surviving and coming out of it. But could it be that moment by moment, some of the same feelings and emotions and thoughts that you and I have experienced in our, in our lifetime as we've walked through some fires, as we've walked through some floods, that it was the exact same thing that they went through? I want, you to, I want you to go with me to Matthew 14 and another pretty well-known story in Scripture. But Matthew 14 and verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, we're going to read on in just a moment, but I, I, want, you to, I, I want you to make sure you catch the scenario here. <laughs> They're caught up in this storm. This, uh, this, this, this form is seen walking on the water, uh, they they cry out to it. Jesus responds, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter responds, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He said unto him, come. And Peter got out and walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want you to, I want you to notice something before we read the next verse. The circumstances had not changed. The circumstances of the storm that they were in as Jesus is walking to them on the water had not changed. And when Jesus says to Peter, come, all he did was respond one word, come. When he responded to Peter and said, come, Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Next verse. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Again, when he gets out of the boat to head towards Jesus, the circumstances are exactly the same as they've been. It wasn't that Jesus calmed the storm, caused the waves to cease, the wind to stop blowing, everything to be calm, and then Peter walked on the water. That wasn't, wasn't the the way it happened. He got out of the boat as the storm was still raging. I don't know how many steps he took. Scripture doesn't tell us how far he went. But it didn't take long for him to change what he was looking at. Again, he gets out of the boat <laughs> with with the, the, the wind being boisterous, he gets out of the boat with this storm taking place. And initially he begins to walk on the water in the middle of all of these adverse circumstances. 
and what changed. As simple as it is, and most of you already know this, nothing new, no no great deep revelation here, but the simple change was what he was looking at. When he first got out of the boat, he had his eyes fixed on the one that said, come. But the problem was, as he started to come, he changed the focus from being on the one that called him to come, who was already walking on the water in the storm, and put his focus on the storm. And he began to sink. Can I tell you this evening, sinking is not the same thing as drowning. Or sinking is not automatically drowning. I don't know how far down Peter went. The scripture doesn't tell us. I don't know if he went all the way under. I, I we, we, we don't know that. It just says that when he started to sink, when he, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out to Jesus. And when he cried out to Jesus, Jesus reached forth. And before he drowned, pulled him back up out of the water, And they make their way back in to the boat. I'm pretty sure there are going to be times, there have been, I know. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure you and I will have times, even in the future, moments of sinking. Moments of sinking. But if somehow we could learn that just because I may be sinking in this moment, I'm not drowning. And the reason I'm not going to drown is because there is a hand that is going to reach down and get a hold of me because that hand is really the one that promised me in Isaiah 43 and 2 that I am with thee. The rivers are not going to overflow thee. The fire is not going to burn you. The very one, think about this, the very one that said those words through the prophet Isaiah was the one in flesh that was reaching down to Peter as he was sinking to pull him up out of the water. He began to sink. He began to sink. But I think a part of his a part of his salvation was even as he was sinking, he put his eyes back on the one who said, Come. You see, it wasn't until they got back into the boat that the storm was calm. It wasn't until Peter and Jesus made their way back into the boat that the storm stopped. All of that happened. All of all of this, this, this scenario of Peter walking on the water and walking on in this boisterous wind. All of that was in the storm. And again, I think most of us have the hope that we will, uh, we, we will avoid the storm. We will avoid 
the rivers, the waters, the fire. The problem with that is that those are really faulty expectations. I was thinking about it this afternoon once I sort of, I guess, um, uh, yielded myself to a redirection for this evening. But if you think about it, how many of the stories of Scripture that we talk about, that we teach our children about, that we celebrate, how many of those stories are really about those that went through? It's not about those that were kept from, prevented from certain things. It was those that went through trials, tests, and difficulties. Actually, as I thought about it this afternoon in this context, I think the high percentage of stories from Scripture is all about those that went through. I've said this many times before preaching, and I'll say it again to you this evening, that most notable of Psalms, Psalms 23, he doesn't say, yea, though I walk around the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, yea, though I go through the valley. I think we, uh, we, we a lot of times are hoping for a, a, a helicopter ride above and over the adversity, the challenges, the struggles, the difficulties, the obstacles. We, wanna, we want God to, to give us an airplane ride over so that we can look down and see all of the troubles, see all of the difficulties, see all of the things that we could have gone through, but we miraculously fly over. That, that's, that's not the words of the psalmist. It was, yea, though I walk through. Yea, though I go through. How did he go through? Step by step, one step at a time. And what was it? What was the what was the really the one comforting thing that David held on to in that 23rd Psalm? Thou art with me. I will be with thee, the Lord said in Isaiah 43 and 2. And David says, because thou art with me, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to be all right going through it because you are with me. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter number 4. This is the story of the, the woman who was barren. She had made a... Uh, 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 built a room for the prophet that when he passed by he could just come into her house and had a place to stay whenever he came by and 
as a result of this, the prophet says to his servant, what can we do for this woman? And, and long story short, he ends up telling her she's going to have a child, and she has that child, and the child grows. In 2 Kings 4 and 18, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head, and he said to a lad, and he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. She called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the burden-bearing animals, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. It shall be well. What's going to be well? <laughs> She's got her only child that she has waited a lifetime for. In fact, the scripture says in, in the verses before this, when, when the prophet said to her uh, that, that she was going to have a child, she and I am paraphrasing the King James, but she basically said, don't, don't mess with me. I'm... I'm I've, I've made peace with this. I've come to terms with the fact that I'm barren and I'm probably going to live the rest of my life barren. And so don't, don't get my hopes up. And yet what the man of God told her was going to happen, happened and she had that child. And now that child has died. But she says to her husband, it shall be well. Then he saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee is it well with thy husband is it well with the child i want you to run out and meet her and find out is everything okay i want you to go out and see what's going on there 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 could be something wrong there could be a problem so he he sends the servant out to ask her. And she answered, verse 26, and she answered again, her child is lying dead at home. The only son she's ever had and really had reached the point of giving up hope of having him is now lying on a bed dead. But listen to her response. It is well. It is well. Not it will be well. 
not I'm hoping everything's going to be okay. Not I got my fingers crossed. It's all going to be all right. It is well. I don't know how. I don't know why she had the boldness, the confidence to answer that way. Naturally speaking, naturally speaking, we would have fully understood if when Gehazi got to her and asked her, are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is your child okay? We would have completely understood if the scripture told us that she just fell on the ground sobbing, screaming, my son is dead. I don't know how you could fault her for that. I don't know how you could criticize her for that. But her response was much different than that. She says, it is well. I don't know of, there's nothing that indicates that she had a word from God. There's nothing in the verses we've read, and I'm not by any, in any way do I think we get every single detail of every single story in Scripture. I think we get the high points. We don't know all of the details, but I think it's kind of safe to say from these verses we've read, there was no promise when she first found out her son was dead and she first heads to the man of God I, I don't I don't think she went with a word. I don't think she went with a word. But apparently she went with some faith and she says, It is well. It is well. Why is it well? Because when I pass through the waters, they are not. I'm not going to be alone. When I go through the rivers, they're not going to overflow me. When I walk through the fire, it's not going to burn me. It's not going to kindle upon me. It is well. I want you to join me this evening in this declaration that it is well. Not hopefully not maybe, not fingers crossed, not dropping pennies in a wishing well, but a declaration that it is well. It is well because God is with us. It is well because God will never leave us and never forsake us. It is well. My wife told me just a few moments before we started this evening, she'd been in contact today with Sister Rye Horton, and Sister Horton said the Lord laid Psalm 21 on her heart this morning, and I went and read that psalm once she referenced it, and I just had to add it in here this evening because I think there's probably a few more people than 
just Sister Horton that needs Psalms 121. And it says this, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I'm going to lift up mine eyes to the hills. I'm going to look up above what I can see that's surrounding me. Because that's where my help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I want to challenge you this evening to join with me let's lift up our eyes and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. We've said it, I've said it. <laughs> I've said it a number of times, especially this year. I'll say it again. The government can't help us. There's no natural organization that can help us. There's no, there's no human that can help us. There is nothing around us from a natural perspective that can help us. But there is one that we can lift up our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help. And he is the one who will help us. He is the one that is helping us. So maybe you and I could do this evening like I imagine those three Hebrew children did and kind of look around and go, wait a minute, I'm in the fire. I'm in the flood. I'm in the adversity. But I'm, I'm still standing, as the song says. It's not destroying me. It's not overflowing me. It's not overtaking me. I may be sinking some. There's been a few times in the last several days I've needed the Lord to reach down and grab my hand the same way he grabbed Peter's hand because I've taken my eyes off of him a few times in the last week. <laughs> I've taken my eyes off of the one that said come a few times in the last week. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's never going to be another time in the future where I take my eyes off of him. But I'm learning more and more. I may start to sink, but I'm not going to drown. 
I may start to sink, but I'm not going to drown. I may go under, but I'm coming back up because I've got a, I've got a life preserver on. I've got something that is going to sustain me because he promised that he would be with me. He would be with you. Father, I ask you once again tonight for your grace, your strength, Lord. Your word challenges us, instructs us to not lean on our own understanding but in all of our ways to acknowledge you and that you would direct our paths. I pray, God, for the grace again this evening, the confidence and the assurance that we would know that you truly are directing our paths. Lord, I think from a human standpoint, when we find ourselves in the water, when we find ourselves in the river, when we find ourselves in the fire, our automatic response is somehow we took a wrong turn. Somehow we must have missed the direction that you were trying to take us because how could we be here if you were leading us? And yet you told us from the beginning, you'd take us through the water, you'd take us through the flood, you'd take us through the fire, but you would take us through it. Lord, I pray that you would reach down to every individual this evening the same way you reached down to Peter as he took his eyes off of you and got his eyes on the circumstances and that you would lift up those that may be sinking right now. That you would give them the reassurance, God, that you are in control of the storm. You're in control of every situation, every circumstance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.